close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to the Ghost Story Guys. I'm Ren Store. I'm Paul Besto. And this is the show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 119, and we're coming in from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about, but can never quite reach. How are you, Paul? I'm all right. I've survived my birthday. I'm still alive, so it's good. That is good. And, and you were not abducted by aliens from the <laughs> cliffs of the Northern Sea. <laughs> yeah. Yes. How times have changed. How did you spend your birthday? I went UFO spotting. You got to tell everyone about this, Paul, because I feel like this is not something most people do. And therefore, the story must be shared. <laughs> yes. Well, um, obviously, through the show, I've got to know a few people. And one of those people is, is Paul Sinclair, um, who has written a series of books called Truth Proof. Um, which is about a area of high strangeness, which is on the east coast of of the UK, um, in East Yorkshire, North Lincolnshire, and up towards uh, County Durham, that kind of area. And um, so, my partner had asked me what I fancied doing this year for my birthday, and I said, "Oh, well, let's do something different." So she said, "Well, why don't why don't we book somewhere and and see if Paul's free?" So we did, and he was. So we arranged this about six weeks ago. And, uh, and so he took me to uh, one of their key vantage spots, and we, uh, we went there for, for two or three hours on, on Monday night and uh, watched, watched the sun disappear and, uh, and the darkness enshroud us. <laughs> that sounds perfectly northern and very cool. Mm, absolutely. Um, as I was explaining to you, he was pointing out all the various locations like where there was supposed to be a UFO spotted, landing um where people have seen glowing lights running about right um where some satanists had built a, a shrine in a disused raf base a manacle farmer that likes to run people over uh, and, uh, and and strange lights sound so you know if you want to be stood somewhere obviously on top of a cliff as well in the dark above freezing cold water then uh, yes it was certainly very atmospheric <laughs> I'm fucked up enough. That sounds like a great time. So that's, that is very cool. And you are now a celebrity (laughs) podcaster. (laughs) Yeah. Well, somebody else had had come all the way from Warrington in the UK, which is essentially about three, three hours away. Um, So it's near enough the other side of of the country coming across, obviously the thin bit in the middle. And um, a a young lad and his mum and her partner had come from Warrington and we were talking, and I'm talking with Paul and stuff. And he he uh, he said, "Oh, I, I, I recognise your voice. Have you got a show?" And I went, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a show." And he said, "Oh, oh, is it is it mysteries and monsters?" And I went, "Yes, yes." yes he went, and I, he went, "Oh, I love that show. It's great." <laughs> I went, oh, thank you very much. Shook his hand. Thank you. And he's like, "Mom, he's he's had Paul on his show." <laughs> <laughs> so that yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I yeah. fucking love it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that was good I mean they were really nice as well and we had a really good chat and then obviously um, the other funny bit was that obviously we'd been talking about these strange lights and weird eyes shine in the in the grass around us and things and uh, and this kid's mum's partner had to go back to the car oh no so we all went right 
nice knowing you. Anyway, see you later. <laughs> Bye. And then when we're coming back, we're all like joking. And Paul said, oh, wouldn't it be funny if we found his mum, bits of his mum here? <laughs> where, where, where wolves have got it? I love it. Well, happy belated birthday. And it doesn't sound like there's any better way to have spent it. No, no, not at all. It was fabulous. For my part, I've been doing nothing nearly so interesting. Um, <laughs> although I will say nature is returning. The world is healing. I have gone back to the arcade to play pinball. So everything is right and God is in his heaven. <laughs> and I can now stand there with my earphones in blasting the new Iron Maiden album, Senjutsu, mm -hmm. which is pretty good. And playing pinball for about an hour until I get bored because, you know, I have an attention span even for a short attention span, even for the things I love. <laughs> and, uh, it, it is good. And, and actually I've been really busy because as I mentioned to you off air, I'm finally taking a little trip to go see my family. Yeah. And it's been, uh, a little over two years since I've seen them. Last I saw them was August, 2019. So we're going to take advantage of these, uh, I, I say lull in the pandemic proceedings. Who fucking knows what you call it at this point. I've become so accustomed to this version of the world that I feel comfortable enough to make the trip. We'll call it that. <laughs> Let's call it the summer comma. Yeah. There, there, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to ride the slope of that comma all the way down to Revelstoke <laughs> and uh, see my family. And so, but in, in order to do that, of course, I have to get ahead on all the shit that, you know, that sort of is, is that I, I would ordinarily just do here. So I've got, because I got the bright idea of starting a weekly podcast in addition to this one, I've got to get all that edited and, and kind of locked in all the patron stuff, get that edited and locked in. So it has been uh, really just sort of a flurry of pinball and uh, staring at a screen. So <laughs> very, very exciting stuff. I, I, I probably should have told you to sit down because that just shocked the shit out of you. It's a good job I am sat down. <laughs> the thrill a minute life of Brennan Storpal. Uh, you wouldn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, no, it's, it's going to be nice, going to be nice to get off the island. Uh, going to be nice to, uh, go see some friends, go see my family. And actually I'd spent, let's say two years since I've been back to Revelstoke. And as we'll talk a little bit in the, uh, the opening of the B segment, I've had a couple stories, uh, kind of trickle in from the area. Mm. And so I'm very curious to see what the vibe is like, especially after everything that's gone down, you know, Revelstoke's yeah. changed a lot as I understand it in the last couple of years, especially in terms of population makeup. So I'm curious to see what what it feels like. Yeah. I know I'm, I'm going there with my cousin or I'll be meeting up there with my cousin from uh, Kamloops and he is the one, uh, we always seem to end up on the wrong side of things whenever we're in the same space. So for example, a couple of years ago, we were in Vancouver, we were doing these night drives and I don't know if you've ever been within about 10 feet of a passing freight train because you went just too far past the arm when it came down. <laughs> And as, literally just as we drove under the arm, it came down. So we were stuck between the, the two arms on either side of the track in my car. And we looked to our right. And of course you see this light and you realize you're on the track. Mm. So we backed up enough, but this enormous fucking freight train passed within, like I said, about 10 feet of us. Uh, I'll <laughs> send you the picture. It was, it was an experience. And so at some point during my, my time in Revelstoke, we're going to hop in the car and just go poking around in the evening. So. If I don't turn up again, I have probably been abducted by shadow people. <laughs> just FYI. Okay. I'll, I'm just taking note of that. Yeah. yeah just, just write that down. Okay. I'll leave all the passwords for you. So. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So uh, on that macabre note, 
<laughs> we have a great selection of ghost stories for you and well, stories of the paranormal. But before we do, of course, we'd like to thank our patrons. This one's for the patrons. Patrons, you're the best. You are the Walter Matthau to our Jack Lemon, or the Jack Lemon to our Walter Matthau, whichever one you prefer. I don't know which one I would prefer. Walter Matthau always seemed cooler, but I don't know. Anyways, it's not important. What is important, though, is this show wouldn't exist without you guys. And, well, of course, we'd like to thank all our patrons. Right now, we'd like to take a moment to thank our latest patrons. They are... Jennifer Hinton. Michael LaBella. Darcy Sheriff. Mercedes Chapman. Marl Doll and Nat you guys I can't tell you again how much we appreciate it I know I say that every time but I really really mean it because without you there is no show what more can I say thank you from the bottom of our terrible terrible hearts and if you want to find out how to join the team listen to the end of the show we'll tell you about all the great shit you get but I will say you can find it all at patreon.com slash ghost story guys and as a reminder, if you think, boy, these ads suck, for a dollar a month, you get access to an ad-free feed. So, FYI. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. So as we said before the break, we have another selection of great paranormal stories for you. But before we get there, we were going to talk about a couple little things that have sort of cropped up either in our email or just kind of in our personal lives, which are sort of quasi, well, I guess not quasi paranormal. They are actively paranormal. And the first is an email we got for you from our listener, Chloe. Yeah. Chloe had, had seemed to have captured some other strange ball of light in the sky and, and very kindly sent us some footage to, to have a look to see if it compared. And um, I don't know what Chloe's filmed, but it's it's very different to what I saw because it's it's considerably larger and and a lot, and a lot uh, slower. It seems to be just hanging there, whereas mine was, was purposely moving across the sky quite, well, at a fairly decent pace. But um, right. I, d I don't know what Chloe's caught there, but that's incredible. Yeah, we'll include the link in the show notes. It's a link to, I believe, a, a, a news site out of Quebec. Mm. But it is a really, yeah, really dramatic, what appears to be a ball of light behind clouds in the night sky, which is just bizarre. So thank you for sending that in, Chloe. I, I know mm -hmm. it kind of sounds similar to uh, the um, Rogers Pass Fireball from my book, A Strange Little Place. You can still buy the audiobook over on Amazon. Mm. Please do. Very subtle, but, uh, been a while. I realized I cut it out of the last show. I was very disappointed. <laughs> well, I was laughing at the interview we recently did when that cropped up in the, oh, in the right. interview. Someone's got to pimp this thing, Paul. <laughs> Daddy's got bills to pay. <laughs> but, uh, anyways, yeah, it's, it's sort of the same idea. It looks this big sort of, uh, crackling ball of energy, but this one still, I think this one moved more than 
the video Chloe sent, but it, it moved very slowly across the night sky. And I know in the book, oh shit, I think it's the old Frank Edwards UFO book, Flying Saucers Serious Business. Mm. There are quite a few mentions of, of huge fireballs in the sky. I don't have the book to hand and I haven't read it in a few years, but it does seem to be a, a phenomenon that's, that's been observed multiple times. Oh yeah, they're not, they're not overly common, but they are widely reported across the world and have been for, for decades. So they are some kind of phenomenon. Who knows? But uh, they are very deeply unnerving. Yeah, fireballs in the sky is not my idea of a good time. My end of world anxiety, that just spikes it, you know, for a guy who lives in an earthquake zone, it's already high. And then, yeah, when the sky's on fire, no, no, that's, that's no good. Perhaps you part dinosaur. Sometimes I feel it, my friend. Sometimes I feel <laughs> it. And I actually had a uh, story come in to my, my blog. And I, I don't talk about it much on the show just because I, I don't do much with it. But if you go to strangelittleplace.com, I have sort of a, a running collection of paranormal stories from Revelstoke that I discovered after the book was published. And I know I've had a few people ask me over the years, you know, is there going to be a second Strange Little Place? And the answer is no, uh, because the first one just didn't sell enough to warrant the interest from the publisher. But I, you know, because I know Revelstoke, however much it changes, still has a bizarre fucking energy to it. Mm. I decided to start a website that collects those stories when they do come in. And so the one that just came in, uh, I've titled it The Girl at Blanket Creek. And I'm going to read it here, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. Uh, this one came, I can't remember the name of the person who sent it in. I'm sorry. Um, I'll, have to double ch I'll have to check on that. But My wife and I both saw a little girl in a blue dress. Back in 2011, over the May long weekend, we were camping at Blanket Creek Park, near the ruins of the old homestead. After a long night around the campfire, we both went to bed around midnight. We both woke around 3 a.m. for a pee. We were in my truck camper with no toilet. We stepped out the door, walked 10 feet to the bushes. I was going on a tree, and she was squatting in the grass. As I was peeing, I saw a blue glowing figure about 15 feet away from me, kind of tucked in a leafless bush. I looked hard to make sense of what I was seeing. At first, I thought it was the ascent of a white-tailed deer, somehow reflecting the faint moonlight. But no, this was clearly a bluish, faintly glowing dress. It looked to be child size. I stared at this thing for about 60 seconds while I was peeing. I couldn't make out any real features of the little girl, but she looked like she was hiding in the bush, looking at me. Kind of freaked me out, so when I was finished peeing, all I wanted to do was head straight back into the camper, all the while keeping an eye on the glowing figure. Wife and I got back into the camper when I said, did you see that? And she said, oh my god, you saw it too. She claims to be more sensitive to things like that, so she didn't say anything to me while we were both outside doing our business, but she saw it. And I 100% believe that what we saw was a ghost. And so that's really interesting because there is a story uh, also in Strange about a family who lives in that area, but on the opposite side of the river, who also had experiences, actually two different families over the course of 10 years, had experiences with a little girl in a blue dress. And, mm. you know, th this person I, who sent that in, we spoke a little bit and he was kind of trying to connect it to... Uh, the, this old sort of dilapidated homestead that's in the bushes there. But I, I don't think it is connected to that because when I did Coast to Coast uh, about five years ago now, I immediately, I mean, I, I, that was probably the biggest response I got from any show was Coast to Coast, I guess, because it's probably still one of the biggest. Hmm. But I got 
at least one message, one I remember for sure, from a woman in New Jersey. And when she was mm-hmm. growing up, she also played with a little girl in a blue dress who wasn't actually there. Hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting because I, I also, I, I used to know this guy, well, I still know him, but I don't see him as much. Uh, but he told me when he was a little boy, he grew up in Ontario and he grew up in a pretty unstable household. And he remembers that one day he was, his mother, I think was having a party in the house. He was pretty scared and he was underneath the kitchen table, just kind of hiding out. And the way he phrases it, he, he said, R2D2 came to me and held my hand. So I felt safe enough to go up to my bedroom. And I, I kind of asked him to drill down on that. You know what? Like you actually saw R2D2 and he said, well, kind of, he said, I just got this impression of white and blue. And you know, that was a little kid. I sort of, that's just, I, in my head, I told myself it was R2D2. And of course, you know, it's different, but at the same time, I think the presence of blue is, is sort of an interesting connection. Hmm. So I, I don't know what it means, but it's come up enough times now that I think it, it can't be ignored. Yeah. Because obviously it's, it's not just a Revelstoke thing if we're getting stories from New Jersey as well. No, there are, um, I, I can think of several here in the UK of people seeing girls in blue dresses. Oh, interesting. Really? Yeah. It's usually a child, blonde hair. Oh, wow. Aside from the appearance, is there any commonality to the experience itself? It's, it's usually just someone just sees this small child in a blue dress and it, it strikes them as unusual and peculiar. Sometimes they don't think hmm, nothing of it. And then they suddenly realize, hang on a minute, where's the girl in the blue dress gone? I think one, I'm trying to think of one. I'm sure there was one at a, at a party and there was, there was a few kids there and someone saw this girl in a blue dress sat on the steps. Interesting. She looked quite sad. Um, and they were doing something. So they went some, went somewhere else in the house and they had gone to the kitchen. And when they came back, they couldn't see this girl. So they thought, oh, well, maybe somebody's come to see her. Right. Um, and then they never saw them again that afternoon and they were all a bit, they were a bit put out by it. And they said to somebody, what happened to the girl in the blue dress? And everybody they asked said, what girl in what blue dress? What are you talking about? Oh, so I don't suggest it's got some, it's some kind of portent or something, but there are enough stories of that for it to be quite an interesting aspect of the paranormal there is. You know, because blue dresses, and it's usually a girl, it's not a boy in blue trousers or a, a blue jacket or something. So yeah. that's a, it's interesting how wherever it is, is appearing in such a way. And I think one of the other interesting aspects of stories like that is it's very easy for people to say, oh, that's little Sally that died at the old farm in 1936. It. Is it? How do you know that? <laughs> I think when you start to unpick stories, because a lot of them have a kernel of truth in them, that, yeah, maybe sure. something horrible did happen to some poor poor child at some point, but what the story is and what the story becomes are often very different things. And one last thing before we go to the stories, I was just contacted by a friend of mine and, uh, he lives here in Victoria. He was telling me that just recently their roommate moved out and it appears another roommate, possibly more than one has moved in, but they're not paying rent (laughs) um, (laughs) because they're hearing voices. Not always enough to be, make out what's being said, but it appears to be a male and female voice, but they're talking again, just, just almost like a low murmur most of the time. 
So I will, I will keep everyone posted on, on how that develops. I'm just going to be meeting up with this guy at some point, but, uh, just the weirdest shit. And I, I guess we're moving into that time of year too, where I feel like these things do happen more often. Mm. So it'd be interesting to note, you know, if, if that does increase in, uh, sort of in intensity or frequency as this time approaches. Yeah. I do like stories like that as well, where it's, you, you can hear it enough to know it's a man and a woman talking, but you can't make out what they're saying. Yeah. Mum, the mumbling ghosts. There's so many of those. I find those fascinating that what is it and why is it at such a level that you can't quite make out what's going on? I will say I had that experience once up north when I was very long time ago when I was very stupid and I was living in a camper 80 kilometers away from the nearest fucking telephone <laughs> for reasons I've probably, if I've not talked about it on the show, I'm not going to get into. But um, I remember hearing that late at night. It sounded like two old drunks outside the, the, the fifth wheel we were living in. Mm. It was porcupines. They sound like old drunks when they're like, it's it, look it up sometime. It's an insane noise. And apparently they like to chew on plastic hoses. So they'll sneak under your, under your stuff and like chew away at your hoses and just kind of like gabble back and forth to each other. But the first time I heard it, I thought I nearly shit. <laughs> so it's just like going, oh, this is some good hose. I know, right? Yeah. Can you believe these dumb motherfuckers just leave this out for us? It's so chewy. Mm. <laughs> I'm telling you, Jerry, it. we got it made in the shade. <laughs> Let's bring the kids next time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, it would confound the people I, I was staying with because obviously they were, they were minors and they needed hoses for things, but uh, the porcupines did not care. <laughs> Frankly, they deserved it and a lot more. But that, uh, that's not a story I will pursue on the show. <laughs> All right. Speaking of stories, away we go. Excitement at Fred Meyer. This is by no means a spectacular story, but it was my most recent experience, not to mention my most undeniable one. I'd like to say it involved a shadow person or Bigfoot, but no. My most obvious ghost story had to be about a jumping beer bottle. First, to set the scene, about a month back, a friend and I were on our way to a party and stopped by our local Fred Meyer, which is an American grocery chain, to pick up some beer for our friend Steve. Steve absolutely refused to drink any of the microbrew we always brought to parties, and would always ask us to pick up some terrible major label garbage before every party. Sometimes I think he does it just to spite us. Anyways, we had just walked down the liquor aisle and spent a few minutes trying to find exactly the right kind of milk toast dishwater he felt past for beer when it happened. I turned around to say something to my friend, and right as I did, a bottle of beer on the third shelf from the ground literally jumped out of the six-pack it resided in and rolled across the floor to our feet. Startled, we both stared wide-eyed and silent. I would have assumed it had just fallen had I not witnessed it myself, and my friend quickly confirmed what I had seen. It looked like an invisible someone had lifted it straight up out of the pack and dropped it on the ground in front of the display case. It was a glass bottle and didn't break, so obviously it wasn't done with much force. So we both laughed it off, and then a Fred Meyer employee who had been about five feet away at the time came over to pick it up, and we mentioned how strange it was. With a completely straight face, he told us that it was just one of their ghosts. They have two of them in the store, apparently and even have names for them. 
He told us weird things happen around the store quite frequently. You better believe we left and bought our friend his awful, barely hopped seawater somewhere else. And yeah, that's not very exciting or interesting, but I just love the idea of this or son of a bitch who works in the store just going, oh yeah, that's just a ghost. Just pick it up, put it back in. Don't even think about it. It's just Larry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like a ghost with a sense of humor. Oh yeah. And I think we always have stories that where these things are so monumental and so, you know, they change the way people see the world that I, I just love when the paranormal becomes so normal mm. that it doesn't, it doesn't even register anymore. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, that's a jumping beer bottle guy. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the popper famous popper case from uh, popper yeah long island in 1958 i think it was they called their ghost popper the poltergeist okay because that's where he used to do with bottles he popped them oh jesus used to pop the tops off it and then throw throw the contents everywhere Ah! Uh, uh, so yeah he uh and they he was more annoying than frightening but uh, (laughs) yeah they call him popper more annoying than frightening could actually go on my tombstone. <laughs> From that strange period of para- paranormal investigation in the 1950s that people seem to just completely ignore. And it's one of those cases that's really quite interesting. I didn't know that was a thing, that there was sort of a big uh, spell of that in the 50s. Well, most famous paranormal cases either predate the 50s or come after the 50s. And there's tons of them from the 50s and i don't understand why people don't look at it that is fascinating because yeah you just don't think of that post-war period as being a time where people gave a shit about but that that tracks because after the first world war there was a huge explosion in spiritualism yeah yeah whereas this seemed to be more i don't know i've i've spoken to people about this as as was that the reason because people were wary of what happened after the first world war that there were all kinds of shady people claiming to be able to communicate to departed loved ones and making a lot of money out of it, that people yeah. just didn't want to kind of invite ridicule and criticism again. And, um, you know, were these the spirits of the lost of the Second World War? Who knows? But there's never been that same cor- correlation. But, um, I mean, I can think of a good half a dozen cases, which are probably some of the best poltergeist cases ever and they're all from really? the 50s hmm? shit oh you'll have to send me some information because again i it's all all new to me mm-hmm. i do kind of wonder if that's something we're gonna see after all this is done you know luke and i were talking about this the other day mm-hmm. you know because i know um it came up because he was telling me that zach baggins has just signed on to do a, a spooky cooking show or, of some kind or something like this <laughs> i hope he makes spook getty Oh, <laughs> boo. <laughs> well, that's the end of the ghost story, guys, folks. Eggs exorcist easy. <laughs> I'm mad at myself for laughing at that. <laughs> God. Paranormal <any> punch. <laughs> okay. Not your best work, but you know. Yeah, we've just got to put lots of spirits in it. Okay. <laughs> now I'm really mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, can't wait to not watch that. Yep, yep, that's that was my, my take on it exactly. But I was saying to Luke, I said, you know, I, I, like I, I've been wondering 
if we're going to see that explosion in spiritualism. And I mean, I think guys like him, like Baggins, they need it because I, I can't imagine paying the bills on that haunted mansion or haunted uh, museum has been easy in a time when there aren't really tourists. But uh, anyways, yeah, I do, I, I do wonder if that's going to be a, if that's going to be a thing or if we're going to have this thing that seems to have happened in the fifties where everyone just kind of, I don't know, bypasses it or just doesn't acknowledge that it's happening. I mean, you could look at major tragedies over the last 20 years and what happened in Japan. Obviously, there's quite a lot of things being reported there in regards to, you know, people trying to make their way home and the taxi drivers picking up people that disappear or people turn up at home wet and then they vanish. So, but yet there doesn't seem to be that kind of thing with the Boxing Day tsunami. There doesn't seem to be anywhere near as many stories about the departed returning from beyond the grave. So it's it's interesting. Is that a cultural thing, or is it right. that people were were more were looking for it more, or there were more, or there were cases that made the headlines more than what happened seven years pre- previously for the Boxing Day one? I don't know. What in July two thousand and seven, I set out on a trip to Toronto, Ontario, Canada, with a cousin for a visit at his new home. Leaving Windsor late afternoon, we arrived in Toronto very late in the evening, just before midnight. We unpacked the car, and then Chris let me into their new home. When I stepped into his house, it did not have a good feeling. A coldness came over me, and it wasn't the air conditioning. I can't explain it any better than that. But it was good to arrive and relax for a bit before retiring. Chris's wife Audrey and his mother were there as well and I was happy to see them, so we chatted for a while, and then they took me on a tour of the house. The exterior of the house was a lovely Tudor style, with big stone and brick, and the interior was nice as well, all hardwood and ceramic on the main level, with sharp Roman columns in the interior that went up to the cathedral ceilings. They were in the dining kitchen area, and the fireplace in the sunken living room was stone. All in all, It was very nice for their first home. I should say, it sounds lovely. During the tour, the chill I had upon entering gradually went away, and eventually I felt comfortable to sleep. It was around 3am that things started to happen. I was sleeping when all of a sudden a loud bang was heard, as though somebody had hit the wall or something. I jumped up from bed and looked around, but no one came running out of their room so I thought maybe it had been some kind of dream. I went back to bed and tried to sleep, but then I heard knocking on the staircase walls. It stopped, and then started again louder, then quieter. It started to frighten me. Well, needless to say, I pulled the covers over my head and started to sweat. Then I heard water, like it was pouring down the staircase wall, and I mean a lot of water. At this point... I thought I was pretty near to having a heart attack. My heart was pounding so hard I didn't know what to do. That's when the footsteps began. Heavy, slow footsteps, coming up the stairs. Then, all of a sudden, they went from slow, plodding steps to fast, running steps all the way to the top. I was frozen with fear. This went on for a very long time. Two or three hours, I believe. I couldn't wait to see the daylight. I got up around 9am and was going down the stairs looking at the walls 
knocking on them to see if it sounded like the knocking I'd heard. On the ground floor, I knocked on the Roman column, and that was it. That was the noise which had started everything off the night before. When Chris and Audrey heard my story, they didn't seem to think much of it. Chris said it was probably just the pipes I'd heard, then went off to take a shower. After he'd gone, Audrey's expression changed, and she asked me if I'd heard anyone calling my name. That threw me, and I said I hadn't, thank God. She said that she'd had that happen to her, and that other things had happened as well, most of it seeming to originate in the family room, playroom downstairs. That evening, Chris stayed up with me till 3am, and of course there were no noises, nothing, so we finally went to bed. I didn't want to, but I was so, so tired. I fell asleep, and half an hour later, the noises started again. This time, I cracked open the door just a bit, with the ceiling fan on low, and the nightlight on in the bathroom. I was scared again. The knocking was first, then the footsteps started too. I pulled the covers over my head again, but I could still feel something watching me. It was as if it was in my bedroom around me, somewhere in the room. Then I heard whispering outside my door and rustling sounds, followed by scratching on the wall in my bedroom from inside the walls. I finally fell asleep between 5 and 5.30 and got up around 9.30. Four hours of sleep again. Chris got up a little while after, then Audrey. We sat and talked. Chris asked about my night's sleep and I lied, telling him I was okay. I didn't want to tell him anything more. Audrey got up and I mentioned it to her, that I was kind of getting used to this and knew it would just happen every night I was there. And it did. The last night I slept in their home was the worst, on top of the knocking on the staircase walls, the footsteps coming up the stairs, the whispering in the hallway, somebody watching me all night in my room, and the scratching on the walls, I heard something different. With the covers over my head, the sweat pouring off my forehead, and my heart pounding, a door in the hallway clicked open. The sound was so clear, I thought, oh no, not something like this now. I was terrified to get up and look. I did have to go to the washroom and didn't want to, but I knew I had to. So I got up, opened my door and looked around at all of the doors. They were all in place. The bathroom was open as usual and the closet door was closed. It had to be the closet door, even though it was closed. The handles on the doors in their home were not round. They were the kind that clicked open, and I definitely heard the click and a door open. After going to the washroom, I went back to bed, and it started all over again. I couldn't wait for the daylight to come. Well, I also found out from Chris that the house is only five years old, and the person that built this house left after nine months. It was unoccupied for almost four years, and then Chris and Audrey bought it. The house was built on farmland and is now a new subdivision. This experience was terrifying. I couldn't wait to go home and get a good night's rest. When my husband picked me up at the train station, he said to me, Gee, you look tired. I laughed and said, I can't wait to get some sleep. Their house is haunted. He just looked at me and said, what? This is why I don't like staying in other people's houses. <laughs> to be fair, it sounds great. Oh, it sounds like a lovely house, if not for the 
amusement park from hell that happens once the sun goes down. <laughs> oh no, I find that I find that fabulous. Of course you do. <laughs> I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me. <laughs> the second I start hearing phantom footsteps, the walls are bleeding. No, no, Bren just wants to sleep. I'm going to the Motel Six. <laughs> I'll take maybe being stabbed because that's probably only going to happen once. Once my wallet is gone, it's gone. Yeah, I find that I find that fascinating that there's so much phenomenon going on there, and it seems to go in cycles. It's like one thing starts, stops; something else starts, stops; then something else, and then it all starts from the back again. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I, I love too that the husband's kind of like, oh, it's just pipes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. But that's the, that's the kicker, isn't it? Oh, well, this house is only five. If, if you'd bought a house that was five years old and the pipes were making that much noise, I'd be on the phone to my solicitor saying, hang on a minute, I think, <laughs> we've, been, I think we've been stitched up here. Well, I mean, there's an apartment building here in town where my friends were living, and mm. it was a very expensive place. They were renting. Mm. But, uh, you know, it was, it was water-themed. I, I won't identify the building specifically, but if you live here, you probably know what I'm talking about. And it was so water themed with, you know, water features outside that I guess they thought it'd be great if water also just cascaded down from the ceiling at random. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I remember them building a, there was a, a, a very swish apartment block built in Sheffield and it was going to be the future of living. Obviously it wasn't. Um, I'm sure. And they banged on about it and all the bottom floor was like full of bars and restaurants and they were trying to create this kind of, um, apartment scene area where you could hang out and get some food and have a drink. And, um, and it was lovely through the, through the first few months. And then we had a a massive rainstorm and um, on the bottom floor was a shop, just a general store where you could get, you know, your bits and bats and your drinks and, and cigarettes and papers and things like that. And nobody could get to this shop for about four hours because essentially how they built the roof meant that all the rain was channeled to this one corner of this apartment block and just oh, came no. 10 floors down like a, like <laughs> Niagara Falls. Oh, man. And, uh, I mean, it pulled all the paving stones up and, and everything. They had oh, to completely oh, they had to re- redo the roof and all sorts. That reminds me of that, um, I don't know if you, you heard the story about that uh, hotel they built in Vegas. No where they didn't realize this when they built it, but it was curved in such a way that when it was sunny, it was focusing the rays of the sun into a kind of death laser for the people at the nearby pool. <laughs> that happened in a building in London where oh, okay. it was reflecting the sun onto the pavement where it was so hot you could cook an egg. Jesus Christ. In London on the street. It was just... Oh. <sighs> Yeah, I I don't know, guys. Maybe we got to think about these things. If your build <laughs> if your building has the same the sort of the same end game as a James Bond villain, you've done engineering wrong. The three a.m. bump. My wife, three kids, and I live in an old three-story Victorian townhouse on the northern coast, built circa eighteen eighty. We've lived there for around five years now. We bought the house from some friends of ours who lived there for almost ten years. We were familiar with the house and locale due to the visit, due to visits, parties, and so on over the years, so the decision to buy the place when we learned it was coming onto the market was an easy one for us. The house has always had a great atmosphere, and oddly enough continues to do so, despite the strange occurrences I'm about to share with you. 
After moving into the house, several contented, uneventful months passed. We worked on it, restoring Victorian features, decorating, and adding a small extension to the old kitchen area. One night, at exactly 3 a.m., my wife and I were awakened by a loud thump coming from the attic rooms above us on the third floor. The noise was hard to describe, but it was something similar to the noise a wardrobe might make if it toppled over in the still of the night. Pretty bloody loud. Loud enough to put the fear of God into us and wake us both from our slumber. At my wife's insistence, I crept up the stairs to the attic rooms above, but after inspection was relieved to find nothing out of place. No broken or open windows, no displaced furniture or pictures, nothing which could account for the noise we both heard. I went back to bed, reported my findings to my wife, and we both drifted back to sleep. A few nights later, there was a repeat of the 3 a.m. incident. The loud thump, 3 a.m., both of us waking up. Only this time, there was something else another noise. The shuffling, distinctive sound of footsteps coming from the overhead rooms. Clear as crystal. Scary. With my heart in my mouth, I grabbed the baseball bat I keep in our room and ascended the staircase, flicking on the light switch in the attic hallway and jumping into each of the two rooms at one at a time. Nothing. Just like before. Nothing to account for the noise we had heard. Perplexed, I went back to bed and was undisturbed for the rest of the night. A week or so later, the experience repeated itself again. This time, I didn't even leave my bed. We both simply lay there and watched the ceiling above us as the familiar footsteps paced above, just like a repeat radio play. It was pretty scary, enough to raise the hairs on the back of my neck and widen my eyes as I stared up at the ceiling. Then the noise stopped, and silently, we both fell back into undisturbed sleep. Of course, we both shared the experience with friends and colleagues. Everyone agreed it was weird and spooky, but yeah, we didn't make a big deal of it. In the cold light of day, it could have been so many things. It's, it is an old house, but the noise was so distinct. A few weeks later, we were having dinner with a couple who previously owned the house. The subject came up, and my wife and I recounted the now familiar story of things that go bump in the night, the wardrobe sound. Our friend surprised us by asking if it happened at around 3 a.m. It seems they had shared the experience several times during their life together at the house. We all agreed that, although unusual and spooky, there was nothing that felt sinister about the event. It was simply a mystery. As the weeks and months passed, the 3 a.m. bump did not repeat itself. However, strange smells began to manifest in the house, particularly on the lower staircase. The strong, pungent smell of pipe tobacco was crystal clear at certain times, although there are no pipe smokers in the house. My wife saw a dark figure at the top of the staircase one bright sunny day, an indistinct human form which flitted out of sight almost as soon as it had appeared. This indistinct form was spotted on several occasions, both by my wife and I, but I must stress there was no feeling of dread or terror to accompany each sighting. Merely curiosity. There was never a feeling that the house meant us any harm. We were and are a very happy family. The house is always full of kids' laughter and games, music, and the general vibrancy of family life. Neither my wife nor I are predisposed to be jumpy. We are not practicing Christians, not staunch believers in any religion, although we are spiritual in the most pragmatic way possible, if that makes sense. Open-minded with a closed mind to foolishness, I suppose, is the best way of putting it. Family life continues unhindered. There were no more notable incidents to report for a couple of years, although there were always the small sightings or intuitive feelings from time to time. 
This all brings us up to the present, or at least around six months ago. One night at approximately 3 a.m., what is it with 3 a.m. anyways? My wife and I were awoken to the sound of a child's footsteps running in the hallway and ascending the attic stairs. As we opened our eyes, we both saw the figure of a small child and saw its arm on the banister of the staircase. Having three children, we both naturally assumed that one of them had woken up and was on the move. We called out the names of our children, expecting one of them to totter through to the bedroom and sleep with us that night. Commonly, more often than not, in fact, one or two find their way to our bedroom during the course of an average night. However, there was no response. This was strange enough for both of us to get up and check on the kids in the neighboring rooms. Now this is the kicker. All three were absolutely sound asleep. Not faking either. I'm their dad. I can always tell when they're faking. They were all there, sound asleep. The footsteps and figure on the stairs could not have been one of them. Besides, there never was a sound of footsteps descending the stairs. After this incident, things seemed to settle down and return to normal. Around a month ago, however, a friend of ours encouraged us to hold a spooky night in our house. Spooky night being a group of our friends seeing an invited medium one at a time. This was the first time I've ever sat with a medium, and I went in with a fairly skeptical mindset. However, the medium told me she sensed the spirit of a small child in the house. She thought it may be a child who died there or whose young life was cut short somehow. She said it means us no harm, but will make its presence known from time to time, particularly around the three young children in the house. I thought all this was interesting, but remained open-minded about the whole thing. And now we come to last night. At just before midnight, my wife and I were reading in bed when we heard an almighty crash from downstairs. We raced down to see a large mirror in our back room smashed into pieces all over the back room floor. What was really strange about this was the ornaments and various bits and pieces on the mantelpiece above which the mirror had hung, soundly for seven years I might add, were undisturbed. The nail on the wall was not loose, and the mirror was on the wooden floor face up, not on the hearth of the fireplace as you might imagine it would be had it simply fallen. We cleared the mess away. To confound matters further, an hour or so prior to the mirror smashing, I had sensed something strange in the upstairs bathroom. Just a feeling, an intuition, if you will, which was enough for me to keep my eyes open as I washed my hair in the bath. Still, I don't feel threatened or particularly horrified. It's hardly Amityville territory. But the mirror smashing does seem to have taken things into a different, more physical dimension. If indeed it was supernatural. If indeed any of it is supernatural. But as a pragmatic and logical human being, I've learned that sometimes it's wise to follow your intuition too. And this kind of reminds me of you finding the book. You said that you found those two books on your floor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I always like something like that because common sense and gravity tells us that's not how a mirror falls. Yep. They usually drop and then fall forwards. Funny enough, actually, that happened at the gym in Revelstoke. I know this is going to be a Revelstoke-heavy episode, but fuck it. Um, I, I didn't include it in the book because there was no other story to it, but mm. sometimes their mirrors will just pop off the walls, apparently. And they're, they're big mirrors. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's happened recently, but when I spoke to the owner of the place, you know, however long ago when I started the thing, he said, yeah, sometimes it just feels funny in here, and every now and again, the, one of the mirrors will just pop and i thought maybe it meant they were under pressure or something you know because they're stuck to the wall yeah but apparently that's not the case 
So there's either, you know, mirrors just have a thing for the a flair for the dramatic or there's <laughs> something out there that really just doesn't like mirrors. Yeah. Well, when I spoke to uh, Nick Bromley about theater ghosts, one of one of the stories in his book was about a picture that had been placed on an easel in a member's bar. And that was found. Essentially, it couldn't have ended up where it was found because it would have ha- had to have leapt off the easel and sort of propelled itself over a banister to fall to oh. where it was. Whereas if it had just dropped off the easel, it would have fallen onto the floor. Interesting. And the whole place was locked up. And when they left it Saturday night, wasn't there. It was on its easel. And when they came to open up on Monday, it was at the bottom of the stairs. You know, even if you don't say, okay, so it has to be a ghost picking it up and moving it, because who knows ultimately. I don't know how a skeptic explains that like like a staunch skeptic you know someone who just you know one of those i say skeptics but someone who's just decided nope everything in the world has already been discovered and i am the arbiter of all knowledge i don't know how you explain a situation like that pipes oh right swamp gas yeah okay no that, it's that's an owl <laughs> oh that's a whole other conversation let's <laughs> let's not get into that <laughs> the owls are not what they seem <laughs> yeah no, I mean, things like that. It's, it's, it's very odd. I mean, I've seen things and, and been aware of things or, or been told by people that things have happened. And I think when you have a situation like that, if you're able to, you should just try and repeat it. Right. I mean, obviously, you can't really repeat something like that with a mirror. But um, I think if it's other things that are moving about, see if it can I mean, obviously, you know, like working in pubs and people go, oh, my God, this glass exploded. Right? If you've worked in a pub for more than a week, right, you, you become completely immune to glasses exploding because they're always blowing up, you know. Right. Or if you leave it on the bar, they will just slide about because of the water tension. There's oh, a tiny course, yeah, bit yeah, yeah. of water tension. They will slide about and stuff like that. I mean, an exploding glass in a pub is probably the least paranormal evidence you could ever wish to put forward. Right. Why do they explode? Usually because of the wear and tear, and you put them in a glass washer, so they're subjected to extremely high temperatures, having water blasted into them to clean oh, them. Oh, okay. And eventually, like anything, the little nicks and crooks, it, it has weak spots, and eventually it'll just go Pfft. What this says to me, Paul, is that glassware is imprisoning the spirits <laughs> of vengeful creatures and every time a glass bursts it is one of them achieving freedom and eventually they're just going to come for us <laughs> you heard it's it here owl. first folks it's the owls yep the, the owls in the glass <laughs> i'm calling that episode i don't care if it has absolutely no relation to what we're talking about this episode is called the owls in the glass <laughs> wasn't that a poem it is now ghost and all years ago I bought a farmhouse built sometime in the 1940s. It was a fairly ordinary home, but I was immediately drawn to it when I first saw it, fascinated by it for reasons I couldn't understand. From the moment I walked in the door with the realtor, I felt such a powerful sense of relief, like I had come home, and the positive energy in the place was radiant. I wasn't alone with this feeling. I had many guests and visitors to my home after I bought it, and most of them remarked on the very same qualities. Being a scientist by nature, up until that point I was a firm non-believer in ghosts or supernatural activity. 
having never actually experienced anything myself. That opinion changed fairly quickly though. My first experience in this house was actually terrifying. It was shortly after 11pm and I was not long in bed already asleep. Suddenly, I was being blasted from sleep by what sounded like a smoke detector. A horribly loud beep, beep, beep. For a few minutes, I just lay in bed listening to the horrible noise, ears plugged, hoping it would stop by itself. It didn't. Terrified, I traced the noise to the kitchen downstairs, which actually didn't have a smoke detector. The noise was literally deafening, far louder than any smoke detector I've heard. When I finally found the light switch and turned on the light, the noise promptly stopped. I wandered around the kitchen for a bit, hoping to find a toy or something that would explain the noise, so I could turn it off, but I couldn't find anything. There was nothing electronic except my microwave, which had never before demonstrated such bad behaviour. Shaken, I decided to go back to bed upstairs. The very second I got back into bed, and I mean the very second, there were precisely three more horrible beeps, then nothing more. It was like a confirmation, yes, I am here, although I refused to believe that then. I slept with my night on all night for the next two nights. My next experience occurred only a few weeks later, and this was truly the most eerie experience I've ever had in my life. It was 4am when I was woken by the sound of a very small child singing. No words, just a pretty little tune. I have three children who are also asleep upstairs, so at first I presumed it was one of them, and for a while I just lay there listening to the little voice enjoying it. Before long, it began to occur to me that the direction the singing was coming from was all wrong. It seemed to be coming from the attic above me, or the roof itself. I tried to explain it away by blaming the design of the house. I reasoned that one of my children must be singing, and the trajectory was making it sound like it was coming from above and outside. However, I had heard my children in their rooms before, and it had never sounded like it was coming from above me in my bedroom. I briefly considered the possibility that a small child was somehow out at 4am, had walked to my remote property to sing. Of course, that is ridiculous, and it still couldn't explain why the sound was coming from above. I listened to the singing for a very long time, knowing it would stop the moment I got up, trying to figure it out logically. I finally decided to get up to check the children, and the singing did promptly stop when I got up, but all three were fast asleep. I simply couldn't explain it, and I was awake for much of the night afterwards disturbed. There were other bizarre occurrences at this home too, always occurring just shortly after 11pm or 4am. I didn't usually get to bed until 11pm, so I was usually wide awake for those ones. Many, many times right after I went to bed, I would hear conversations downstairs, always somewhat mechanical sounding, like they are recordings of conversations. But, as usual, the moment my feet touched the floor, they would stop. If I didn't get out of bed, they would go on indefinitely. One time I heard an older woman talking on the phone downstairs, right by the bottom of them. I don't actually have a phone there, but there is a phone jack. 
Her voice was so clear to me, I could almost hear what she was saying. And the sensation I got all these times was that there was definitely someone downstairs. A presence, almost like a thickness in the air. A lot of electrical things happened too, particularly after 11pm. Toys turning on spontaneously. My computer somehow playing a sound beat which sounded like a conversation, even though it was shut down for the night and there was never any evidence of any video or mp3 player up and running on it when I checked the next morning. One time, just again after 11pm, my TV turned on by itself, and turned itself off right when my feet hit the floor of course. Several times I was woken at 4am to hear a small dog whining at my bedroom window. Keeping in mind my bedroom is on the second floor, that just didn't make any sense. I did learn to live with these things and accepted them as being part of the energy of the home. Never once did I get the feeling that there was something malevolent or hostile there, but I most certainly did get the feeling that something was there. To me, it always seemed to be benign. It was kind of like a pet cat that would get up to mischief when the lights go out. While the occurrences themselves were very strange and sometimes frightening, mainly because I wasn't in control of them, and they just logically didn't make any sense. In fact, that home was a tremendous source of comfort. In fact, that home was a tremendous source of comfort and relief. I don't have that house anymore, but I sure miss it. Ghost and all. Whoa. I mean, it sounded very heartwarming at the end there, but that is not where I thought that was going. <laughs> yeah, it took a twist. I didn't see that coming. No, no, no. That that went into straight up Hallmark territory where I was expecting more sort of, you know, Stephen King axe-wielding ghost territory. And then the accident happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or I was dead the whole time, you know, some <laughs> some variation thereof. <laughs> but once again, we have ghostly footsteps. Yeah, and and the voices, which is odd. I love when when we have the sort of those unexpected connections because again, mm. you know, I was talking about my friend the weird voices in his house. And weirdly, um, I was just thinking there was someone I know who experienced this where they would hear what sounded like a voice coming through a radio, but there was no radio anywhere in the house. Mm. And it was a place where there was already other kinds of activity. So, uh, hello, folks. We, there was a little break there because we, we've just had some issues tonight recording this particular show, and uh, <laughs> I, I think we're gonna it should be fine now. But it's been been interesting. We'll say interesting, and it's all it, the annoying thing is it's all explainable. Yeah, it's just kind of all happening at the same time, which it never actually happens. Mm. Mind you, I don't understand why you're hearing funny noises as well. There, well, there is, there is that. Is that, is that your cat again? No, they're outside now. Oh, I thought I heard something move. Mm. Okay, good times. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. <laughs> well, I don't normally drink on a Thursday, but I might today. <laughs> they can't get me if I'm not awake. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, Low mumblings are always the, that tantalizing thing that it, it, the frustration is you can never quite hear what they're talking about. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's it. Or, I mean, the handful of times I have heard, it has never made any sense. Like, uh, I, again, I've talked about this on the show before, but you know, the, the handful of times where I've heard female voices in the next room. Yeah. And there's no one there, but mm. they, it's, it, it starts as kind of like muttering and then it start, kind of coalesces into something solid that you can hear. Yeah. And you know, I, I think the one time I recall distinctly, they were talking about the movies on my shelf. Really? Yeah. They were, they were discussing one of the movies. I think it might've been the illusionist, the movie, <laughs> the illusionist uh, of all things. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, they were, they were talking about that. And I remember laying there thinking, what is, what is happening out there? And that, that was it. Yeah. And then of course there was the time, and I, I've mentioned this before on the show, but not for a long time. There was the time where I was trying to get to sleep and I was curled up next to Nick and I heard a woman's voice in my head, ask a question and Nikki responded. Oh, I heard a woman's voice say, and you're okay with that. And Nikki went, yeah, she was asleep. <laughs> and I, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget. Cause I, I wasn't asleep all the way. I was kind of getting there. Yeah. And it was having that sort of internal dialogue. Like you're, like you're talking to yourself, but it just is sort of in the sound of someone else's voice. Mm. But this woman said, yeah. And you're okay with that. And Nikki went, yeah. And I don't know, man. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Not much will beat that, that night. Julie had a nightmare when she thought the ghost come out of the wardrobe and woke me up screaming. That was, that was brilliant. Oh, of course. Yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not the best way to be woken. Well, the way things are going tonight, something might jump out of the wardrobe. Who fucking knows? I hope not. They're both in here. Oh, okay. Well, yes, that would be bad then. <laughs> Again, I'm not saying I'm not saying it won't happen though. Just in case. Thank you. Monster. In September 2005, my husband, myself, our three children, and dog moved into our house. It is a renovated lakefront cottage built in the 1930s in a rural town of upstate New York. We were drawn to the house for its charm and the peaceful lake, but I must say I did feel a bit uneasy when we first moved in. Within the first few weeks of living here, I experienced some strange happenings. The house is a ranch style with a partially finished basement and an unfinished laundry room and workshop. There is also a dirt floor crawl space that you can only access from an outside door. I still can't bring myself to go in there. One night, while carrying a basket of laundry up the basement stairs, the stairwell light flickered out. I tried the light switch at the top of the stairs a few times, but could not get it to work. I told my husband that we needed a new bulb, and when he flicked the switch, the light went on. It happened again the next night, and I made him change the bulb. Well, this flickering continued for a couple weeks even after the bulb change. While this was happening, my dog was also acting bizarre. After I would get to the top of the stairway, he wouldn't follow me up like he normally would, but instead would sit at the bottom of the stairs and bark at me, as if he didn't know me. Almost as if he was staring right through me. He did this every day. A short time later, I woke early one morning before my husband left for work and found the front door wide open. Now, I know that I shut and locked the door before going to bed, and when I questioned my husband about it, he denied leaving it open. I decided to mention what was going on to a coworker of mine, who had some knowledge of spiritual activity 
and she suggested talking to the spirits and asking them to leave. I did, and well, other than some strange noises every now and then, everything seemed to stop. Until last night. We recently finished renovating part of the basement, which is actually ground level because of the grading of the land, and closed off two doors that used to give access to the basement from the outside. We made a master bedroom, bathroom, and my four-year-old son's bedroom. There is a door from the master that goes into the laundry room, which is the unfinished part of the basement. Well, my son woke up in the middle of the night last night and climbed in between my husband and I. He had a hard time falling back to sleep. After my husband left for work in the morning, my son and I were lying in bed, and he was staring at the open laundry room door. He said, Mom, when I move close to you, the monster has a mad face. But when I move to Daddy's side, the monster smiles. I said, Where is the monster? He said, Right there in the laundry room. He has a white face and red feet, and his head is up to the ceiling. See, when I move next to you, he gets a mad face. I asked him if the monster talks to him, and he said, No, but he puts his hand next to his mouth and whispers. Only at night. He also told me that the monster thinks this is his house. We got out of bed and I walked toward the laundry room to get a closer look, but my son said, No, don't go in there. He gets mad. I didn't see anything, so I asked my son to show me where the monster was, but he couldn't look. He seemed terrified. He just said, Tell him to leave, Mom. He freaks me out. He went upstairs and my son was telling his 10-year-old sister about the monster. She asked if he could show her where he was, so he brought her down to the basement. He came running upstairs a minute later saying, Yep, he's still there. His sister couldn't see it. After thinking about this and what happened when we first moved in, I then remembered that when our next-door neighbor came to introduce himself, she mentioned a couple who used to live in our house several owners ago that would always argue and fight. Well, apparently the husband went missing. That was all she had said. I will say I felt very seen in one part of the story where she says um, there's a dirt floor crawl space you can only access from an outside door. I still can't bring myself to go in there. Um, I Back when I owned my house in Revelstoke, <laughs> there it is again, um, <laughs> I, I had an attic. I mm. owned that place for six years. I never once went in the attic. I have no idea what it looks like. Why not? Because spiders. <laughs> Mostly spiders. It just never occurred to me. I, I never needed to store anything in there and it never occurred to me to go look up there. I don't know why. I just never did. And I, you know, I even forgot I had it. And then my tenant said, Hey, Brennan, you know, have you ever been in the attic? Funny. No, I haven't actually. And, um, they, it was nothing up there, a bunch of old newspapers and shit, but I, I sympathize with this woman. Cause again, you know, sometimes there are places you just don't go. Yeah. It's best to sometimes they leave those spaces alone. Yeah, that's what I figure. I mean, I I never had a problem in my house in terms of the spirit shit until my tenants moved out. Like I lived there by myself for a couple for a couple years, and then I moved to Victoria. I got tenants. My my first set of tenants kind of made a mess of the place, um, but the second set were a couple, and, and they were lovely. They lived there for several years, and uh, you know, life happened. I, they, I think they split, so they, they had to move out, but. After that, I remember it was, it was empty for a while because I had to have some work done, but I had left, um, one of the tenants had left, I left my old television there for, t for the tenants, uh, cause it was 250 fucking pounds and I didn't want them to take it with me yeah. and, uh, <laughs> they left it behind as well as well they should. And eventually I had to pay someone to take it away. But, yeah. um, I, you know, I, because I, I had the house and I was in Revelstoke visiting some family, I set up a DVD player in there and we watched 
you know, so I could watch movies is kind of have a place to myself. Hmm. And that was the only time I ever felt something was not right in there. Because I remember one night I was sitting there with a friend watching a movie and the kitchen sort of runs to the back of the house. It's a really big kitchen. Yeah. And I suddenly felt like there was someone else in the house. And I, I can't explain why, but it just felt like we weren't alone there. And again, it felt like we were no longer welcome after a certain time. And it was never like that when I lived there. Like, again, yeah. when I lived there, I would not turn lights on. You know, I would be, say, reading or watching a movie or kind of working on stuff. And the sun would go down and, and the light would go. And I got to the point I could make tea in the dark. Yeah. You know, it, it just didn't bother me. Mm. But something shifted when it was empty. And it, whatever whatever it was, it started to take up space in the dark. And it, it just didn't want company. Not good. No, no, not recommended. Now I live in a place where there's only so many rooms. And there's nowhere for anything to hide. That's what I tell myself. <laughs> Golden. This happened to me a couple of days ago. It was in the middle of the day, and being winter, was also quite cold, so I had all the windows and doors shut. I was walking into my kitchen, and just as I was passing my pantry, I was hit by this sweet floral-smelling scent or perfume. I stopped walking, turned around, and went back to the pantry to work out where the smell was coming from, only to find it was no longer there. One second I smelt it, and the very next it was gone. It wasn't a faint smell, it was quite strong, so for it to vanish as quickly as it did was very strange. The house I live in is around 30 years old, and I've been living there for six years with my family. This is the first time I have smelt what I believe to be a ghost. Six months prior to this, I was woken by my baby daughter early one morning wanting to be fed. Being sleep deprived, I sat up in bed awake, but blinking madly as my eyes didn't want to stay open. Whilst I was blinking, I saw a young person, in their early teens perhaps, standing at the foot of our bed, on my husband's side, staring at him. When I blinked again, it was gone. I didn't mention this to anyone thinking I was going mad or I was so sleep deprived that I was seeing things. So when I smelt the fragrance the other day, it confirmed for me that we have another resident in our home. I have also seen things at work a couple of years ago and so has my eldest daughter who was only six months old at the time. It was early in the evening and I had finished sorting out the work I was going to take home for the weekend. My husband was downstairs going through his emails and I was waiting for him with my daughter upstairs surfing the net. We were the only ones in the factory at that time. My daughter was standing on my lap looking over my shoulder. She suddenly turned her head to the corner of the room and kept staring there. I asked her what she was looking at and turned around to see what had her attention. The expression on her face was of awe. I couldn't see anything and there was nothing in that corner of the room, but she continued to stare in that direction. She then started to turn her head as though she was following something across the room, so she was now looking in the opposite corner. I asked her again, what are you looking at? And just as I turned my head to look, in the corner of my eye, 
I saw this golden, brilliant flash of light. When I looked directly in that direction, I could see nothing. I looked back at my daughter, who was still staring there, but instead of a look of awe, she had this big smile on her face. She couldn't talk at the time, and her reaction and expression said it all, and I definitely saw something as well. The funny thing was, I didn't feel scared. And thus ends another set of stories on a very strange, strange night. I don't know what the hell is going on, Paul, but uh, we've got the temperature in both our rooms is colder than it should be. Mm. The microphones are being weird. Curtains be acting weird. (laughs) (laughs) We've had drunk singers. Wayward cats. Noises that don't make any sense whatsoever. (laughs) Well, I think after nine months, we were due... uh, some extra special guests and i think for whatever reason tonight they've decided to join us i think you're right so welcome unseen guests i imagine you'll be sticking around for a while i have a feeling (laughs) i'm glad i'm not staying in this room tonight i am glad you are not as well i'm glad i don't have to sleep here (laughs) all right we're going to take a quick break listeners before you reach for that skip 15 seconds ahead button i promise you this isn't an ad we wanted to take a minute to talk to you about mental health on this show i've always tried to be as honest and open as possible about my struggles with depression and anxiety because even though we've come a long way towards acknowledging the very real damage these things can do there is still way too much lingering stigma about reaching out for help and when you start to feel like there's no help it's easy to start feeling like there's no hope. But Paul has joined me today to remind you there is always hope and there's always help. We're not going to try and talk you out of self-harming right now because we know that's not how it works. Instead, what we wanted to do was tell you something now and hope that should things get bad, you'll remember it and make a phone call or send a text message before you make any permanent decisions. As someone who knows all too well just how important mental health can be. It's never too late to reach out. In Canada, the number to call is 133-456-4566. In the USA, the number to call is 1-800-273-8255. In the UK, the number to call is 116-123 or text SHOUT, that's S-H-O-U-T, to 85258. In Australia, the number to call is 131114. However bad shit seems, it will pass. And no matter what your brain might be telling you at any given moment, and believe me when I say I know this intimately, there are people who love you and people who care deeply about how you treat yourself. Should a time come when you find yourself despairing, 
please know that we've both been where you are, and there is a way back to the world. Take care. Welcome back. Thanks as always to Luke, Sarah, Anthony, and everyone else who's part of the Ghost Story Guys family. And Luke is back on the mic. His latest episode of Luke Lord just dropped. That's episode 36, The Ghosts of Chester. So make sure to check that out everywhere fine podcasts live. And thanks, of course, to my friend and co-host, the celebrity podcaster, <laughs> Paul Bestel, host of Mysteries and Monsters. <laughs> What's coming up on Eminem, Paul? Oh, obviously this week I have the marvelous company of the legend that is Doug Highcheck, creator of oh, Monster yes. Quest. Um, and that was just a fabulous converse- conversation, even just talking about his work as a, as a natural world filmmaker working with bears and some of the discoveries he'd done with beavers and things like that. Um, and also discussing his upcoming documentary legend meets science part two, which promises to deliver something rather special for the world of Bigfoot, but uh, I can't say any more than that. Um, and then I've got, uh, Christopher O'Brien and Bruce Champagne joining me. So I'll be doing uh, an episode on, um, Bigfoot's being sighted in desert areas. And then oh, I'll okay. finally be tackling cattle mutilations across the U.S. Ooh, exciting. Keep an eye out for those. And where can everyone find you online? Uh, you can find us under Mysteries and Monsters across all social media platforms. And my website is mysteriesandmonsters.com. Perfect. You can find me. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as Larger the Truth. And you can find my interview podcast, Largely the Truth with Brennan Store, everywhere fine podcasts live. The sixth episode just dropped, and I have a chat with Amon Mazingo, host of the Afro Tales podcast. Amon is a really, really cool dude. I love the Afro Tales podcast, and it's very likely he's going to join us as a guest storyteller sometime in the future, once we can make the schedule sync up. He's, uh, again, he's great at what he does, and he's a lot of fun, too. So I, I'm really, really looking forward to that. And again, that's Large the Truth with Brendan Storm. You can find that everywhere. Find podcast live. Earlier, we promised you patron information and patron information you shall receive. If you want to sign up and join the team, you can do that at patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. That's patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. And you get access to a massive archive of recorded material, plus weekly shows. You get Book of the Dead host adventures every week. Plus, there's the monthly live streams, at least monthly live streams. There's tons of physical rewards. Uh, all kinds of good stuff at patreon.com slash larger. The, nope, that's not right. Patreon.com slash ghost story guys. And you know, more than anything, we've just got a great community of people who like to converse on the threads and uh, more than anything, that's what I value. I mean, sure. The money's great because it allows me to be a professional podcaster, but people are chatting now and kind of interacting and, and I love that shit. So we would love for you to be part of that. And again, patreon.com slash ghost story guys. And ordinarily guys, this is where we would do the ghost horse shout outs, but this has been such a weird night. There's thunder or something at Paul's end. We're not really sure what the fuck it is or was, but, uh, we're, yeah, we're going to do that next episode. So everyone who's joined ghost force, thank you so, so much. And we will, you will get your shout out in our crazy voices. After this week's show, I might be talking like that permanently. <laughs> Jesus, I don't know what's been going on tonight. It's easily the strangest recording I've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've never had thunder turn up before. That's, that's a new one. Yeah. 
I don't think I don't know what that was. No, I get. Well, it's it's midnight. That's that's the thing. Like here, okay, fine. There's construction all over the place, but that was that was year end, and it's midnight. Yeah, yeah, four of them. So I don't know what was going on. Bizarre. Anyways, if you want to get in touch, shoot us an email, ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter as Ghost Story Guys. We don't really use it, but we're there. Uh, we're very active on Instagram at the Ghost Story Guys. That's probably our most active, not probably, it is our most active platform. And we're also on Facebook as Ghost Story Guys. Finally, if you don't want to type, you can always call the Ghost Line. There's something strange. Thank you to our listener, Amber Peace, for her ghost line jingle. That number is one 588 6920 And you can leave your comment or question or story as one or a series of voicemails. And you can also text us at 925-553-4789. Again, that's 925-553-4789. And that is a U.S. number, so it's free to call the 1-800 number as long as you're in uh, North America. But uh, if you want to text... 925-553-4789. That is a U.S. number, so just be aware. And if you want to leave a message or a voice message that, that we play on the show, but you're not in North America, so you can't call the ghost line, just record it as a voice memo on your phone and email it to us at ghoststoryguys@gmail.com at gmail.com with the subject heading ghost line. All right, Paul. So uh, any news aside from our, uh, I don't know, our I- induction to the other side here tonight? <laughs> I think I'll be doing some uh, further research <laughs> on on my next door neighbours because obviously, I mean, yes. you know, as we, I don't know if we mentioned it before, but obviously when I, I sort of, my landlord mentioned that the house was rebuilt in 1950 because it was blown to smithereens during the Second World War and we discovered that everybody that lived next door to us was, was killed. And there were right, seven of people course. killed. So <laughs> it, we, it's been strange since we found that out about six weeks ago, but then you think, well, is that because it's at the forefront of our minds? Of course, yeah. And therefore you're, you're prescribing rational things with an irrational thought process. Right, um, yeah. But um, other than that, um, hopefully I'll, I'll still be here in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so too. <laughs> and yeah, nothing new for me. I'll be in Revelstoke uh, next week. If you are a Revelstoke-based listener, I don't know if those exist. You want to get a coffee? Shoot me an email. Ghostoryguys at gmail.com. We'll figure it out. And as things open back up, generally speaking, you know, if you're in town in Victoria, you know, that is an option. We can figure that out. If you're traveling through, you know, we're working back towards that. So it's, uh, it's very much uh, an on the table thing. I know it's something we used to do. We stopped for reasons I, I won't get into, but um, yeah, that's something as the world, well, I won't say it gets better because things are in a precarious place, but as we achieve equilibrium with this precarious new place, <laughs> that is something we can do. So, all right. I think that is it. Yeah, if you want to pick up any Ghost Story Guys merch, head on over to our website at ghoststoryguys.com. You can find links there to our Redbubble and Tee Public stores. You can also pick up copies, signed copies of my book, A Strange Little Place, at the Big Cartel store. That's ghoststoryguys.bigcartel.com. We also have some pretty sweet stickers there and uh, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, night... Postcards, my night photography, all kinds of cool things. 
And you can find all of those by going to ghoststoryguys.com and just clicking the link for the shop. And if you do buy a Ghost Story Guys shirt, I know things have picked up again with merchandise, which is pretty cool. Uh, feel free to send us a picture. And if, if you want, we'll post it on the social media. We appreciate you guys doing that. I know uh, Ashley just did the super cool Animal Crossing uh, thing where she put a Ghost Story Guys hoodie on her character in Animal Crossing, <laughs> which I, I just loved. And that's you can find that on our Instagram. That's pretty cool. Uh, so, yeah, our theme song, Radio Into the Darkness We Go, is composed and performed by Peter of Bizanta Music. You can find more from him by searching for Pizzanta Music wherever you get your tunes. Peter's music is published by Night Harvest Recordings. Our story's theme is The Future Belongs to Them Now by Hexagram. Find more from them by searching for Hexagram wherever you stream your music. Remember, that's Hexagram with two X's, not three. And I guess that's it. Well, hopefully we'll be back in two weeks with more ghost stories. (laughs) Till then, into the darkness we go. Possibly for real. Yeah, I am going to Revelstoke. Oh, dear. I better lose the passwords. Did you just see that? I was actually looking away. I saw the, I saw your, your thing moved, your, uh, blanket moved. Right. <laughs> was that you? I, I hope so. If not, oh, we're, dude. we really are in trouble, man. What is going on tonight? One of my friends said, Paul, you're one of the few men I know who can get away with wearing pink. <laughs> I said, I know that's why I wear it. <laughs> that's right. I know I look good. Yeah, Julie and me come from the same school, the the, the catastrophist school of school of thought. <laughs> well, she that's all she kept going on about. She oh, what, what if we go? What if we're driving home and this light dren- stops us in road, and and then we wake up two hours later and we've got sore bums? <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean anything, to be honest. Maybe just had a great night out. Who knows? Who know? Who, who's to yeah. say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Looking up at the sky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be the first time I've woken up after a night out thinking, Jesus Christ, what's happened? <laughs> yeah. The last thing I remember is drinking gin and tonic mm. with this Swedish chemist. And we'd we'd stolen the we'd stolen the, the gin from the freezer of someone's apartment. <laughs> Had no memory of what happened the rest of the night. And so I texted Max, this this chemist. I said, so so what, what happened? And he goes, I don't know, but I woke up with someone in my bed and uh, I get a text about 15 minutes later. We did not have sex, I am told. So that is good. But he said, <laughs> the last time Bren blacked out, he, he learned, his, learned, learned a lesson that night. <laughs> the video on your side has been really um, pixelated tonight. Mm. Yeah, that's my new cleanser. <laughs> I, I think he got ripped off. Unless you're planning on moving into Minecraft, I, I think this could be a problem. <laughs> Friday night, it's time for some cheeky wrestling. I say. Honestly.
Right. Yes, decided that it, it no longer wanted to be asleep under the bed. It decided that it was the perfect time to just knock lots of things over. Maybe that's what it was. <laughs> I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was uh, Space Bigfoot that fucked us up, or, or whatever. And it you is. have mentioned the the F word. Sorry, I'm, your your curtain is freaking me out again. I didn't turn around or anything. Yeah, it just it just keeps going like like that. More like there's a breeze pushing on it from the other side. Hmm. Well, I'm sure. I'm definitely check the windows. I'm as I'm reading. I'm like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> so. Okay, no, 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 no. It's your haunted ass house. <laughs> Hooray. Yes. <we're- laughs> Fucking curtain. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to move. Move now. Let's sit like that. There we go. That's better. Then all the fucking Funkos are going to come down. <laughs> that is a hell of a wall of Funkos. I've never actually seen that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're getting there, aren't they? That is, that is sweet. Wrap Very this hard. shit up. <laughs> I'll just go get the holy water. <laughs> just put it in a super soaker and just start spraying. <laughs> Sorry, somebody's just driven a fucking tank past then. <laughs> Jesus, wet. Right, golden. You're muted. Fuck. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Going back to bed. It looked funny, whatever you were saying. <laughs> well, that's something. <laughs> Honey, you look funny. I, I hear that more often than I like to say. <laughs> What's happening now? I'm hearing strange uh, banging noises. Oh, it's a little late for your neighbors to be doing home improvement. <laughs> it sounds like thunder. Oh. But we haven't got any forecast. Cool. Okay. <laughs> Whoa. Go hide. What was that? that? Enormous. It's like, like, that's the third one I've heard now, like a... <laughs> Could it just be thunder? It could be, but God, after after tonight, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> Says right now, partly cloudy, three percent precipitation, ninety three percent humidity. That was bizarre. Yeah, because I think the first one I was looking, the, I was watching the audio track, um, and I don't remember saying anything. And there's like a big spike on it. I heard Whoa. that. That's the fourth one now. Okay, well, let's just get this done before the world ends. Fuck me. Yes. I can't even remember where we were.